0: Welcome to The Practice of Nonprofit Leadership, a podcast specifically designed for executive directors of nonprofit organizations. Today's episode is an encore presentation of an earlier episode with Christina Edwards of Splendid Consulting. Our topic is fundraising online. And now, here's Tim and Nathan.
1: Welcome to episode 34 of The Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, for the past few episodes, we've been discussing different fundraising strategies, a really important area to consider as a nonprofit executive. As you've heard, this is a sweet spot for Nathan. And if you are like me, you've learned a lot from what he shared on our episodes. Well, today we're going to talk about fundraising online. And we have a special guest on the episode today that can help us walk through this area. So Nathan, why don't you introduce our guest?
2: Well, we are really excited today to have a true expert in the world of online fundraising. And uh, that is Christina Edwards. And Christina is the founder and head consultant of Splendid Consulting. So welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really
0: excited to be here.
2: Yeah. So before we get started on on some of the questions that we've been asking, it's part of the series on fundraising strategy. We want to take just a quick second and define online fundraising. So I'm going to take a shot at it and I'm going to define it as I understand it to be. And then Christina, I'll turn it over to you and then you could give the real and accurate answer. Uh, So, you know, to me, this is actually at, at, uh, at FACO at the Friends and Children of Haiti. This is one of the things that we've actually struggled with a little bit is how do we define online fundraising? Because as a fundraising strategy, you want to be able to put Uh, strategy. And then of course, tactics behind that. And so it's, so to me, online fundraising, uh, an obvious one would be like giving Tuesday in in November. I mean, that is a very specific strategy with tactics around it to drive people, donors to give on an online platform. Um, Where we struggle a little bit is if somebody does a, a Facebook fundraiser, um, and we didn't know that they were going to do it. And all of a sudden it just, you know, the, the, and I forget who the, they have a third party who manages that for them. Network for good. Network for good. Yeah. And so all of a sudden we get a, we get a check in the mail from network for good. And I, I don't know anything about it. So does that, does that actually constitute online fundraising? So anyway, I, I don't think I actually defined it because I don't know how to define it. So I'm turning it over to you,
0: Christina. So I will say this is going to be my definition because I think it's a conversation like defined marketing where you're going to hear you know 100 different answers depending on who you ask. For me, that Facebook fundraiser is 100 online fundraising. It would not exist if not for your organization being online and somebody making a donation online, right? Like that is a very clear yes. Giving Tuesday is a perfect example of a container of a specific day, so a time frame a container of a goal you're trying to reach and that people are able to give digitally. I think the place where you're talking about and a lot of people might get in the weeds is I hosted this online campaign to talk about this program or this new campaign that we're fundraising for. We're trying to raise 50K this month and then checks came in. Is that an online fundraiser, right? Where it's like, you know, it maybe maybe the money didn't actually come in online. And I'm going to say yes because that's how your audience came came to know about it, right? Through a friend of a friend, or maybe it was somebody already in your community. I think that that counts. So, for all intents and purposes of this conversation, we are talking about showing up on using social media, using email marketing, using video, using photos, using really any online uh, resource to fundraise. It might be. Peer to peer fundraiser. It might be a Facebook fundraiser. It might be a campaign that you your organization hosts. All that counts.
1: Christina, would you also include even how you're set up on your website for people to give? You know, is it easy? Is it good? Do they even know how to do it?
0: Hundred percent. That magical donate button. Where does it take them? Right. Um, And that's something I talk a lot about in my courses. Is how much friction was there between clicking the donate button and them actually get, getting to the thank you screen? Because surprisingly, sometimes it's like you click, 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 click until you finally, you're going through like seven different screens, right? So yes, those are the places we want to remove friction and we want to make online fundraising as easy as possible, right? Okay. Awesome.
2: Well, that was a much better definition than mine, (laughs) which is why you're the expert. Um, all right. So we've got four questions today that we're going to go through. And the first one is how do I know if online fundraising is right for my organization?
0: Listen, you're asking a marketer. And so I'm going to say it's right for every organization. Everyone should be doing it. Right. Um, the, the barrier to entry is so low, right? It's not a heavy lift as far as expenses. The expense it really costs you is time. And I think for a small to mid-sized organization, that is going to be the barrier to entry is can I take this on? Um, a lot of times, something I might hear is, all right, we raised $1,000 online, but if I go out there and try and tackle that major gift, I get $50,000. Right? $50, so that's where you have to look at your organization and say, do I have the time to do this? But really the barrier to entry is so, so low that all you need to do is have focus on what it is you're trying to do, like kind of a who, what, when, where, why, and then you can go have an online fundraiser. So it's not necessarily about posting on social media every single day and that taking up your time, but more about being more focused and more deliberate about a fundraiser you want to host. But yes, I think everyone should do it.
2: Are there some organizations that are better suited based on what type of programming they have or what size they are or where they're located? Are there any, you know, if you were going to draw out your perfect Mm -hmm. online fundraising candidate, is is there a perfect, uh...
0: I mean, the, the ideal candidate already has a Facebook and Instagram and an email list. They have those three things happening. Um, where their audience already gets information from them and stays up to date for them. Because if I host an online fundraiser tomorrow for an organization that doesn't have those, it's going to be a lot more of a a bigger lift for people to hear about it, right? So I'm going to have to go and ask a lot of digital ambassadors to help spread the word or something like that. So ideally, they have a couple of social networks that are rocking and rolling, an email list, Um, and really, just a donor base that's that's engaging with them, and it doesn't have to be the biggest donor base ever. It can just be a small but dedicated community that's that that they're already engaging with on a regular basis.
2: Is is that you just uh, talked a little bit about or mentioned uh, donor base size? Um, obviously, you know, let's be facetious. You know, <laughs> if you have uh, two hundred thousand Facebook followers, that's probably better than twenty Facebook followers. Um, as long as they're engaging at, at some level, but is there a um uh, is this it is, is size important? I mean, is the the bigger the the you just said it didn't. So I guess can you talk just a little yeah. bit more about that?
0: So I think about an organization. So Facebook, Instagram, those social platforms really have become pay to play. Those are those are, are digital advertising platforms. So if your audience, if your uh, organization did have two hundred followers or fans, still a very small portion of your audience sees your content. So that's less of a like, oh, you're ready. What makes me excited is if you have champions, fierce advocates, volunteers who are ready to share your content and be digital ambassadors for you. Maybe you are working with social media influencers, something like that. That works really, really well. I had, um, I watched an organization here locally raise a hundred thousand dollars in 30 days for a brand new idea. It was like they wanted to create a movie and it was here for a comedy theater which is a nonprofit. So they didn't really have any fans or followers yet, but what they did have was the people who were who were championing the movie and championing this this fundraiser, spreading the word like crazy, spreading it on social, going live every day, you know, really keeping momentum and they had clearly engaged people ahead of time saying this is happening, this is the kickoff date. This is where we're driving. Don't you know that donate button to go to? Can you help? And can you help more than once? Like that is where we see a lot of organic growth.
2: So it it sounds like from that example from that story that that while you know online fundraising is probably a, a, a strategy that every organization could benefit from, it really does take intentionality
0: and it yeah. really does take tactics to make it pay off in the end. <laughs> Exactly. My favorite is when a, you know a student will say something like, well, online fundraising doesn't work for us. We tried it. And I'm like, tell me about how you tried it. <laughs> Walk me through what you did. And usually what it is, is like somebody on their board said they should do something. So they did. And they tried and they had, you know, a couple days lead time. And then they petered out because they felt like it wasn't, there was just no real plan. Right. And so, um, of course, it didn't work. So that is the distinction there, right? Well,
2: yeah, and here at the the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership uh, podcast, we love board members. We we love our we do. We, we love, love board members. But in my experience, the board member uh, peer pressure, uh, board member pressure, um, is the culprit of some of the most catastrophic fundraising attempts mm-hmm. ever. Uh, because the board member sees the organization down the street, across town, wherever hit these big numbers yep. on whatever that whatever the strategy is, they come back and to the executive director and say, "Oh, we got
0: we've got to do this. You know, Why whether, aren't you doing this?
2: Right? right? It's either an event or grants or you know mm-hmm. online or whatever." And you know, it, it just, it, you've got, no matter what fundraising strategy you do, you have got to be intentional about
0: it or it's not going to work. You know, I'm thinking of this analogy of like, if you've ever gone to the grocery store and just without a plan and you just buy, you're like buying some meat and buying some, and then you come home and you stick it in your freezer and you don't make anything. And the vegetables go bad because there's no plan in place. You just bought (laughs) arbitrary things. And that's kind of what this is like when you're like, you've got this kind of rogue board member that you're trying to, you're trying to meet their, you know, it it seems like a fun idea and you're excited that they're excited, but you know, really taking a step back and going, when does this work in our, in our fundraising strategy? When does it fit in, in the year? And also giving yourself the grace of time to plan for it. Right. So that you don't bail on it halfway through.
1: If I could just ask, it seems like I'm thinking about, um, you know, that, that executive director, it's pretty much them maybe with a part-time assistant. And what I'm hearing from you is part of that plan is, is having some kind of online presence at the very beginning, you know, so that as opposed to just jumping in and trying to do everything, but what's maybe one or two steps for that, for that single executive director to say, I'm going to give 15 minutes a day or, you Mm -hmm. know, half hour a week to kind of begin to, to keep me, get myself set up for them.
0: Great question. I think keeping the lights on for me is two days a week of posting, just two posts a week on social media. So decide your platforms. If it's just one, okay. Um, in a perfect world, Facebook and Instagram would be the the first two recommendations and just talk about what you're working on and, and be specific. You know, I don't want your social post to sound like it could come from any other organization, in your sector. That's something that I see. Right. So that piece and then the other half of it, the other side of it is really building your email list. So Of course, the donors are really important, making sure you're communicating with them, but also any supporters, right? Maybe they haven't made a donation. Maybe it's a friend of a friend, but they've opted into your role. That is such a helpful piece, especially we'll use Giving Tuesday as an example. That's how we get traction because Giving Tuesday is admittedly a noisy day on social media, but if I can land in your inbox... I can kind of prime you ahead of time and get in front of you ahead of time and then at the back end, right? So email is really, really important. And I think often overlooked as a digital asset. So building that is really important. And it's yours, right? So it's not pay to play, right? It's not, you're not gonna have to boost a post for it to land in somebody's email box, at least not yet.
2: Right. And you also, you are, you own that email list. You own it's yours. List. It, yeah. Right. And and the platform is yours. So, well, I guess technically it's Apple's or Microsoft or whatever, but you know, nobody's nobody's going to take your, your email. Your CSV away.
0: file is yours. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly.
2: Yes. So all right. Okay. Well, let's go to question number two. Um, and that question is: what's in it for the organization beyond what we hope would be at least a, a break-even or you know, well, we really hope is a net positive. Uh, fundraising return, but there's every fundraising strategy. Um, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's other things that it will impact around the organization. So what are some yeah. of the things for online fundraising?
0: So the way that I work with my students, I think about our goals as twofold. The first thing is revenue. Like we're trying to increase revenue, right? That makes sense. We're trying to reach reach that fundraising goal, but the other piece is equally as important. And that is the visibility awareness piece, So a lot of organizations that are at or under that half a million dollar mark, awareness is huge. They're saying, people don't know about our organization. Our programs aren't full. My neighbor doesn't even know that we exist. Like that, that feeling of like, we are here in the community making an impact and not enough people know. So awareness is huge. And when you host an online fundraiser, it's a huge way to get a lot more eyeballs of what it is your organization does. And then those people, I consider them almost like warm leads, right? Maybe they didn't give today, but now they're in your world. Maybe they opted into your email list or they followed you on Instagram. Now they're engaged and they went from having never heard of your organization to being in you know, your, your funnel, if I'm going to use marketing speak, but in yeah. your world. And that is immensely valuable that also is you know how you might get picked up by, a meet, by the media and get a news story written about you things like that so it's equally as important there are i could probably think of a dozen organizations that i've supported in the last year or two years that were me going through that awareness phase oh my gosh i had no idea that this was going on but you know a friend of a friend posted about it i'm in it's interesting and and you know that's how you get into the world so it's a great way to do that organically
2: yeah, I think I think every organization that I've worked for, and I've worked for a, a few that were you know twenty million plus, uh, but most of my career has been in small to medium sized organizations. And I think every single one that I've worked for, including my current one, some board member, or volunteer, someone has said, you know X Y Z, we're the we're the best kept secret in town, and it's like. Oh, well, that's not very good. That doesn't yeah. feel good. <laughs> right. That's, no. that's not the goal we should be going for. And, and it is, it, I think, marketing in general, uh, marketing, online fundraising, that, that awareness is I, I, it, a lot of nonprofit leaders, especially mm-hmm. executive directors who maybe came up on the, on the program side of the equation, it's just they're not marketing people and and marketing p- marketing and fundraising are two different, very mm-hmm. distinct um uh mindsets, they're left brain, right brain type things, but online fundraising can help marketing, and marketing is incredibly important on yep. smaller organizations to get your message out so people can give to you in the future.
0: The other piece that I love about this, especially for a small organization is social proof. So if, if you're thinking about a peer-to-peer fundraiser, you know, we're trying to raise 50K for your organization. I get to your fundraising landing page and I can scroll and scroll and scroll and see all the people who have either donated to that fundraiser or who are fundraising on your behalf. I'm like, oh my God, this is, I'm in. What is you have that FOMO, right? That fear uh, right. of missing out, right. and right. that social proof that all these people usually they're friends. You landed there for a reason. They're not strangers. Um, you're you're seeing that buy-in, right? And that proof of what you're doing works. And it's that third-party validation. That's that's amazing.
1: Do you think the focus on online is is better for a specific project or event as opposed to trying to, to yeah help people keep going yeah. on it?
0: I mean, you can use it evergreen for something like a monthly giving or just, you know, having that donate button go to an evergreen page, but yes, a campaign is going to work better in a container. So container would be time bound, whether it's like a day, a month, right. Using that, that movie example, right. So time bound and for a specific thing. Now it doesn't mean you have to, you know, restrict funds, but it's just like, this is, this is the time bound you know, cause specific or timely relevant thing that we're fundraising for. And you can even do that around a social media holiday, like giving Tuesday or national volunteer week. You could do one on a leap year because you thought you wanted to, and that would be fun. You know, you can be as creative and easy and, you know, weave them into your marketing plan, you know, more than that, that one day in November, or December out of the year, but yes. All right, let's let's
2: uh, let's move to our next question. And this is a short question. Um, what are what are the barriers uh, to being really good at online
0: fundraising? So I think the first one we already touched on a bit, which is that staffing slash time slash budget issue. However, you want to kind of shake it out. Uh, a lot of times I see organizations under the half million dollar mark or even under the million dollar mark sometimes have a person whose role is development slash marketing slash communications, this can work. Yeah, I'm just seeing a thumbs down. Yeah, this can work if usually that person excels at one, right? So let's say they're right. awesome at development, then they actually end up going through my program and using what they know. They know about fundraising and, and adapting that for online. So it can work. So staffing can be an issue. But before that, really, I think the biggest challenge online, going back to that visibility piece is like, how do we get more followers? How do we get more people to to follow slash know about us is usually what I see is organizations don't have a really unique cultivated and decided on brand voice. So who are we? What do we stand for? what are our buzzwords, what are our brand values, really figuring out what their voice and persona is online. And the reason why you need to do that is you need to attract people. You need to repel some people to attract some people. So it usually looks like I can kind of see, okay, you don't have a brand voice when your content is really, really generic. It's not really branded to your style. It really could, let's say your organization serves food insecure households. It could be any food insecure household ever, right? Or in your state. So when you have a specific brand voice, you're going to peak some ears. People will click follow because what you're saying is, you know, leaning into thought leadership, expertise is new and different, something right to get people in.
2: Well, I think, uh, I think Christina, I could solve the uh, staffing issue for you as a barrier because Really, all you have to do is is find some college uh, intern or some college student uh, to volunteer. And, you know, they all love social media. So that's that
0: that doesn't cost anything. Yeah. So and then arm them with the toolkit so that it doesn't sound like the random college student you got and gave them access to your organization just went rogue. Right. So they need (laughs) <laughs> they need, if you want to use a volunteer, you want to use somebody who's naturally socially savvy, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Give them a brand voice, give them what, what I would call guardrails, right? But then also give them a place where they can say, hey, like, I think this would be new and different, or I want to create this video. Like they need to have the, it's it's interesting. It's like the balance between guardrails of your organization and also freedom to think outside the box. So
2: yeah and it is interesting and I probably should have disclosed this at the at the beginning of the of the podcast but um Christine and I do uh work together but we have a, a contractual relationship and the amount of time that you have invested in fotco in learning who we are what we yep. do what our values are and understanding our voice understanding that so that you can actually when you, when you respond online or when you're responding mm-hmm. uh, on behalf
0: of Faco, it's as if I'm responding. It is impossible to write a narrative, to write anything, a piece of content, an email, an appeal, anything, without effectively or well or in an interesting way, without knowing like a brand's voice. And you know that's true of my own brand. As I've really honed in my own voice, writing is is not quite effortless, but it's really close to that and it never used to be that way. Um, and when I owned a social media agency, sometimes it would be hard to step into a particular brand's voice and it would it was because we hadn't really identified it It was like a little bit of this a little bit of that and it was kind of vague and it you know um, I used to joke that if I can tell oh Mary wrote that post then we're doing it wrong right We want to make sure that it's the whole brand's voice right yeah yeah yeah.
1: So, well, even you talking about that, Christina. That's that's one of the things that can help us get through the barrier, is to consider hiring an outside group yep. or a person yep. to come in, as long as they can kind of pick up on what's going on. But do you, do you find sometimes people are resistant to to that to
0: hiring somebody? So I this is kind of how I kick off things with my my one on one clients. We start with a brand voice, but what I say to them is only like executive level leaders can come to this brainstorm session because this is not a board meeting or, you know, committee meeting. I need just the top few Hmm. because we're going to have a lot of opinions. Oh, I think we should do this. Oh, I think what, you know, and so we need just the the key decision makers. Um, And then going through and saying, you know, using that as, as this jumping off point is, is perfect. And then saying, This is our now approved brand voice. And it's, it's really, really similar to a brand style guide. So the logos, the fonts, the colors, this is that, right? So whoever would come to that meeting to make the decision, that's who's coming to this meeting of like our, our, you know, we've got our digital aesthetic visually, and then the voice. So let's head on to our fourth question.
2: Uh, And actually, this is the one I've been looking forward to the most. Um, So, what uh, you've been doing this uh, for a while, and uh, what mistakes do you see the most uh, when it comes to clients or potential clients, and as they're trying to get their online fundraising and get it moving in the right direction?
0: So, there's a bunch, but (laughs) um, (laughs) I'm going to start with that friction point we talked about in the beginning. So, imagine you've got an amazing person handling your social handling all you know, your emails, all your marketing campaigns, we are still driving people to one place to take action, right? So clicking that donate button, going to that one place. If that one place is just full of friction, then we've lost them. It's kind of like taking people to your website and your website is, is just impossible to read or has a 404. So friction might look like it's not mobile friendly. I'm doing the pinch to zoom in. Friction might look like when I get there, you're asking for so much information that maybe a millennial, a Gen Z or Gen Xer is like, no, I don't want to give all that information. Friction might look like you're not accepting different payment methods, you're not connected to you know digital wallet things like that, or that it just doesn't look intuitive or branded, right? So that's really important: is choosing like the place. I call it like a landing page. Choosing the landing page where you're taking people and making sure that that tells your story in a way. Nathan, I think both of us are skimmers. I'm a skimmer. I'm going to land at that page and I'm going to go, yeah, this is what I thought it was. I'm in, I'm, I'm filling it out. Now other people are full readers. So they're going to land on that page. They're going to see the headline, the subheadline, They're going to read the pl- paragraph about your story. They're going to do a little more, and then they're going to make the donate button. I want it to appeal to both and for sure size for mobile. So using something other than like a PayPal page or just something super generic, to take you to that place. That's really, really important. Um, planning. Planning is a big one. And I know that that can be a, a, an obstacle for a lot of organizations because they're like, I don't have time to plan this out. But it tends to be something that you, you do once and then you replicate it. So we can use Giving Tuesday as an example. If you give yourself you know, four weeks of lead time one time a year, you create templates, you create the container of the fundraising landing page, you can create the story. You're almost clicking copy in Canva and replicating that year after year after year. So if you're doing a couple of fundraisers online throughout the year, the first time you do it is going to require the most upfront, but then it gets easier and easier because you have a process in place for it. So planning, giving up too soon, this is a big one. So whether you're a nonprofit, a for-profit, anything, there is a part of a marketing campaign that I call the messy middle where you're like, this isn't working this isn't working. No one's, no one's seeing this. This isn't working. I'm, I'm over it. Right. It's like this mental kind of heavy, um, this, this happens and to plan ahead of time for expecting that and then building in what I call momentum booster. So is that when you release a new match? Do you decide that ahead of time? Ah, oh, all right. On day seven, we always see a lag. We're going to plan in a match or, you know, some other way to boost momentum, or maybe it's like that, that final stretch, that last day or those last hours, what are you going to do to keep the momentum up? Um, And then the last kind of big thing is all about your dream team. So who are you bringing in on your dream team for these online fundraisers to help boost your visibility, boost your, your traction, your awareness, because if your organization is just emailing and posting on Facebook and and Instagram, that's not enough. It will feel like it's not working and it will on purpose because people aren't sharing your content. They're not creating content on your behalf. Like that's what we want to see. You know, I want to log into my LinkedIn and see three different people post about your organization right that day or, you know, that week or whatever. So that's what we want to do. We want to do that in a really easy way so that they have kind of a done for you toolkit and they can post about it. So these are that that's that digital ambassador piece that we talked about a little bit. Wow.
2: I know. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> it's
1: good. Really good. though.
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, basically, uh, in those, uh, four mistakes, basically kind of outlines what to do success. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I, I think one that stood out to me was the giving up too soon. And I think people, when it comes to fundraising strategies, they tend to overestimate what could be done in a short amount of time, but they underestimate what could be done over an extended period of time. Uh, So you stick to the strategy, you know, maybe two, three, four years. And I know that sounds like a long time when, you know, you're trying to close the budget this year. uh, But that, that incremental improvement over an extended period of time, you can, you could build some of these fundraising strategies and and online is the same way into some mammoth
0: fundraising. revenue. I mean, with the digital ambassadors, I teach this inside my program. I'm like, Yes, I'd love for you to have a hundred, but if you start with three, three ambassadors to talk about your organization and they do it a couple of times a year and then you just keep adding to it. Next next time you have seven, next time you have 15, it becomes like a stock where it compounds. Before you know it, you have it, a full ambassador program that's rocking and rolling. The other piece that is kind of the yin to that yang that we talked about of like the messy middle and feeling like it's not working. The other piece that I see Is we met our goal. Oh, we met our goal. We're done. You know, you're like, I'm picturing like laying on the floor and you're done. (laughs) Okay. I want to tell you, I, I loved this example, which was again, that, that theater company that was creating this movie, they actually raised hundred K they did it in less than 30 days and they built in a stretch goal and they were like alright guys if we can do 15k more we can hire this extra role and here's why it's really important and i loved that it was like they didn't they weren't like oh thank god that's over we're done you know <laughs> they were like let's dream even bigger because this is working and clearly people want to support us and what would be the next layer of that so it's almost like if it is working plan that it is working and what's that stretch goal
1: I appreciate what you're what you're saying. We were just talking before we actually started recording. You know, we live in an Amazon world. We expect everything to happen right away. And and how much we just need to keep taking those little steps and keep keep pushing through. And I just there may be some people who are sitting here going, I just can't do it. I you know, it's I, too much.
0: I was in a um program that really was super helpful for my business, my clients, and and the way that my mentor taught it was, you know, we think growth should be just straight up. So I'm, if you're listening to this, just like a straight up, but really think of it like a hockey stick. It's like growth, plateau, growth, plateau. And that's the hockey stick is also where you're getting your systems and processes in place. And it also might even be peak, tiny valley, peak, tiny valley. And it's those tiny valleys where we're like, that's it, I'm done. And you just miss the next peak because you bailed on it. And we definitely see that a lot with marketing because marketing is super fun to cut from the budget, right? Where you're like, no, nope. it's easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, that didn't work. Right. But really you were right about to be at your next peak. So yeah.
2: Is, I don't know. I I, I think maybe the the most important um, piece of, of simple um, uh, advice that we could give to yeah. listeners that are you know, they're a brand new executive director or, you know, they've been executive director of a, of a a organization under 500,000 give or take. Um, and they've been thinking about online fundraising. They know that they need to do it. They just, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. They don't have a plan. Um, is it fair to say that the, a good first step is to just do something?
0: Yes. Yes. Just start. Yes. Start posting on Facebook, start posting on Instagram, start an email list and yeah, just go and decide on a platform, you know, for your fundraising online, decide on what you're going to use and don't research to death. It's like picking out a pair of jeans. Like there's, everyone's going to have a different brand. They like just decide on one and just go. And there's a lot of, you know, ones out there now that are free to start. You know, they're going to charge a small processing fee. Don't get lost in the small processing fee. Just (laughs) go. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Christina, um, how
2: do if if one of our listeners wants to get a hold of you and talk to you about helping them
0: uh, do all these amazing things, how do they get a hold of you? So, hang out with me on Instagram at Splendid Consulting. You can go to my website, which is splendidatl.com. And then, really, a lot of what I've talked about today is in a free masterclass. So, if you feel like you need visuals to go along with that, go to splendidcourses.com forward slash masterclass and you can see. What I'm talking about. Well,
2: that's awesome. And, and Christina, thanks for hanging with us today. And every time I talk to you, uh, one, I learn something, um, two, I have fun and three, I just get all excited about this stuff all over again. So well, thank you. Thanks for being with us today. I
0: think that the reason why we get along so well, Nathan is you and I are both just like, we're going to figure it out. We're just going to figure it out and we're going to go. And so we both have that energy and that attitude and I think that is the type of organization that starts off lean and scrappy and just psh, totally makes it shine. So thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for being here, Christina. And I, I hope uh, if you have an interest in this, that you'll reach out to Christina, that you'll go to her website, that you'll look at some of those opportunities and maybe you'll hire her as well, which would be which would be great. Uh, yeah. But, well, we appreciate the input and we'll make sure all that information is in the show notes. So thanks for listening today. Hey, we're curious, what issues are you struggling with in your nonprofit? How can we help? Is there a topic we could address that would be would be helpful to you? Well, you can go to nonprofitleader.online. That's nonprofitleader.online and leave us a message or our emails are always in the show notes and you can email us directly. We'd love to get in touch with you and if there's anything we could do, we'd love to help out. And also one last favor. I know you hear us ask this all the time, but would you leave a review on our podcast on the platform on which you listen listen to? That helps put our podcast out there and catch the eye of other nonprofit leaders who might benefit from the podcast. So that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. Until next time.